Hello and welcome back to Ball Talk, baby. Here today with, uh, of course, my man Chaz Jurgens. You know who it is. Oh, I love that. I love the new catchphrase. I'm on board. I'm on board. Um, and we're coming to you live today with two special guests. Well, not really live. I still haven't figured out how to make us actually go live. But I'm coming to you live <laughs> with two special guests. Uh, first up is my man from Montreal. Montreal made EB Gaines, Eli Bauer. What's good, everybody? What do you do, baby? <laughs> um, and then uh, second uh, is my good brother of... Friend of mine, are you in? I don't know if you're in Toronto right now, but he's from the six, six God, licensed to Will, licensed to Bill, licensed to Ill, William Fishman. What's up? What's up? <laughs> All right. All right. So today we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be taking it through. First thing first, I got two. Can- we got four Canadians in the room, so there's no way we can't start this off with the Raptors. We're going to be starting off with the Raptors. We're going to be talking a little bit about a couple other teams' off-seasons. You know, it's off-season, so we're going to talk about off-seasons. All right. Kicking it off. All right. Eli, I'm going to you right now. I want to know. Raptors off-season. Yay or nay? One word. One word. It's all you can say right now. One word. Yay or nay? Nay. Nay. Ooh. Will. Will. One word. Yay or nay? Yay. Oh, yes. Oh, great. I love it. We're starting off with some conflict. Let's go. Let's go. Stir it up. All right. All right. So I'll tell you this. Some of the notable highlights of the Toronto Raptors offseason. They signed Fred Van Vliet to an $85 million four-year contract. Aaron Baines to a 14 over two year. Alex Len to the minimum. DeAndre Bembry to a four million over two years, which is technically less than the veteran's minimum because he is not a veteran. Uh, and they lost Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul. I want to hear the nay side first. No, I want to hear the yay side first. Cause I was gonna <laughs> throw it to, wait. Yeah, I want to hear the yay side first because I was going to throw it to Eli first on the next topic. <laughs> All right. So, like, when you first look at it, if, if you're looking to make a playoff push, you don't, you don't sign Baines, Boucher, and Bembry to two-year deals, right? Oh, I forgot about the Boucher signing. My bad. Montreal man's loved him forever. What was it? 13-5 over two? Mm-hmm. Whatever it was. Love to him forever. Slim duck, baby. Slim duck, yeah, baby. Slim duck. Montreal. So, like, it is a step back from last year, especially a team that you could put in quotations they were contending, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, look, they're trying to make that push back to the finals. And in order to do that, you need a Kawhi-esque player. And in order to do that, I think they made the right moves to open up a ton of space for Giannis, maybe. Maybe. Masai's got all that pull, you know. Um, So for that reason, I I honestly think they made some right moves because let's be honest this year, the East is looking very tough. And could the Raptors run run anything back? Like, come on. I like that. I like that. Eli. The rebuttal is yours. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He does make some good points. Ooh. Is he now a yay? <laughs> no, no, no. Not yet. I do agree with some of the stuff he says. However, when you're looking at it from recent history, Raptors have made the playoffs for the past five years, and they've been very, very, very good teams. Sometimes people can call them chokers. Okay, you can call my Raptors chokers. It's okay. 2019, they won it. But... um I think that 
although he's right that they are clearing a lot of cap space, one, I don't really like the drafting of Malachi Flynn, although I do really think he was a good player, and he still is a good player, average 17, 17 and a half, 37 from the three. Yeah, but he was in the NWC. I agree. And I thought with how the offseason went, we lost all of our size in Gasol and in Ibaka. And although we did sign Bandy, Len, and we re-signed Boucher, I thought they should have went in another direction with someone like a Vernon Carey Jr. But that's just my opinion. And I also agree with the fact that they will have a lot of cap space. But what what are we what are they going to do with Lowry after this year? I mean, I do understand that they would want to realistically keep him because if they do sign a big free agent, but this is kind of showing him that they're taking a step back this year. Maybe he won't want to resign and run it back up with the Raptors. I mean, we've seen what Serge Ibaka did this offseason. So I agree, but I also think that a lot of teams around them got so much better that if they didn't make moves that will at least make them equal, if not a bit better than what they were last year, then it's an L for me. That's a, that's a fair take. That's, that's definitely a fair take. I mean, yeah, I do like that point from Eli. And then I was going to say one of the things that I've always felt about the Raptors is that they lacked a lot of depth on their like kind of wing scoring, wing defending positions. They have Siakam and Ananobi who are, Definitely two of the better, more versatile three fours in the league right now. But if you look about who's coming off the bench for them and who's going to have to consistently be getting buckets for them to really perform at a level that they expect to, because it's a team that's been to the Eastern Conference semifinals, been to the Conference Finals, been to the NBA Finals, more consistently than pretty much any team out of the East in recent memory, except for LeBron James's team. So I think this Raptors offseason is a step back, and you can look at it next year if you sign – Giannis and say, okay, it makes all makes sense now. But as for just this offseason's moves, I do think the drafting of Malachi Flynn was a little bit suspect, especially since you're bringing back Van Vliet. I felt like if Malachi was in, Van Vliet was out. And now you got a lot of crowded, a lot of guards in the backcourt, a lot of centers who you're competing for minutes, but no one really stands out. And then I find a lot of missing pieces on the wings. But I, don't, I do think the Raptors will be a playoff team again. They do have good players. I just don't think they'll be able to make that push. They might be out in the first round this year, which isn't something that Jurassic Park would really want to see. <laughs> you made uh, you made two points right there that I really want to I, I want to touch on both. You made one on the uh, lack of um, wing scoring. And I just want to point out Stanley Johnson is still in LeBron James's head uh, <laughs> since uh, 2014. He is the last player to get in LeBron James's head as a rookie. Um, but he did put up 20 in the last two games of the bubble, of the bubble regular season. I don't know how you guys want to count that. But the thing that I thought you actually mentioned that I will talk that uh, actually piqued my interest, uh, besides the standimal plug, was um, the guard play. For the Raptors, with Terrence Davis, O'Shea Brissett, Fred Van Vliet, and Kyle Lowry, that's four really, really good guards. And Matt Thomas. And Matt Thomas. And Matt Norman Thomas, Powell. Mr. 99%. I forget that Norman Powell is a – Norman Powell, I count more as a wing, honestly. Is Terrence but Davis still on the team? That's what I was going to say. Terrence Davis and O'Shea Brissett, there's 14 roster spots right now. Terrence Davis and O'Shea Brissett are both not signed. Terrence Davis is – I don't want to say Davis undoubtedly the better player, but he is. He is the better player, but he was just arrested. 
seven misdemeanors in New York, including assault, harassment, endangering the welfare of a child, and criminal mischief. He's also anti-vax, anti-mask, and almost got their actresses fined during the bubble for not wearing a mask. O'Shea Brissett is a father, a workhorse, a hooper, and a local boy. A Canadian. Canadian. Better. Like, it, it comes down to, one, how much, how important is culture? So I want to hear, hear your guys' thoughts on, well, one, tell me about the actors' culture, and two, how you think that plays into this decision. Is Terrence Davis so much better than O'Shea Brissett that it doesn't matter the culture? I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at depth players, right? It, it, it's not like we're talking about someone who's getting over 20 minutes a game here. But regardless, if you look at, like, the demeanor of the Toronto franchise, they're a bunch of workhorses. You look at those years with DeMar and Lowry just working their tails off every year to just get beat by LeBron. But, hey, at least they made the conference finals every year, right? So that attitude is, like, built into the franchise, and I think they're just done with Terrence because they said enough of this. I mean, personally, like, I thought – I mean, maybe I'm being a bit biased, but I thought Terrence Davis was – could have honestly made an all-rookie team. I thought he was just... He did. He did. I think he made all-rookie second. I yeah. think he was all-rookie second. Oh, he was second at the end? Yeah. Okay, that's on No, me. he was but good. Anyway. He was okay. good. He, was, yeah. he, wasn't, he was 17 minutes a game also. He was good. Yeah. Okay, so that's my, my bad. I forgot about that. But uh, no he was... Sure. To me, he was a real... And maybe it's a bit of bias, but I thought he was a really, really, really good player. Obviously slept on. Kind of the player that the Raptors like to take chances on, like a Freddie, you know, really good defensively, can shoot the ball. I mean, we haven't really seen a lot of O'Shea. I mean, maybe he's, you know, better fit because he's from Toronto and he's a family man and he's not chaotic in the locker room or whatever it is off the, off the court. But that's why I'm just like, we're going to have so many guards now. And like, Davis is a really good guard. Like he can, depending on the situation, he could potentially start. If you're just doing on a defensive roster, depending on the team, he could potentially start in a year or two's time. I I do agree that Terrence Davis is right now the better player than O'Shea Brissett. I will say that O'Shea Brissett comes out of Syracuse, which is a program that's known for a lot of it's in itself. It's hard work and it's defense. But it's a lot of busts, which is sad for me because I'm a big Syracuse fan. (laughs) Which is something that I think the Raptors would value. But like John said, they are known for their busts and they do play a lot of zone and a lot of what some might consider more like high school ball in Syracuse than they would college or NBA ball. So I'm not surprised. First of all, see O'Shea Brissett taking this long to really try to make a name for himself in the NBA. I don't think he was really prepared when he came into the league. So unless he really took a, takes the next step for them during training camp or prove something otherwise, I feel like cutting it for Terrence Davis, I just, it might be good for the PR of the team, but oh, now you're actually talking about how good you are going to be as a squad. I think Terrence Davis is someone who finished last season with 30 all-rookie first-team votes and O'Shea Brissett. I don't know if he touched the floor in more than 10 games. That's actually an interesting thing you mentioned about him not being ready for the season. Um and I'm not sure that this is 100% fact, but it definitely played into his decision. He had a kid a few months before the season started or before the draft. He didn't, he didn't, I don't know. I'm not implying that his kid wasn't planned. Don't get me wrong. That's not where I'm taking this. I'm taking it more. 
he wanted to start a family. He clearly loves his kid. Clearly loves his kid. I love his Instagram. He clearly loves the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly loves his, uh, his girl, his wife. I'm not sure. Um, I don't love his Instagram that much. I can't pay attention. I'm sorry. But he clearly loves the kid. He clearly loves the family. He clearly loves the city. But I think that ideally he would have spent another year at Syracuse. And this is a kid who was a top 50. Re- well, he, when he was a kid, he was a top 50 recruit. He was mm-hmm. one of those guys that was on the pathway. And so I think part of judging him is you have to remember he was probably going to spend another year at Syracuse being the best player there again. I mean, we got to hope that that motivate like the last Raptors player that had a kid, you know what I mean? <laughs> Steady Freddie. So we got to hope Freddy. that we got to hope that maybe it motivates him to uh <laughs> you know, <laughs> put up a uh almost almost take almost giving no, he took away the unanimous MVP, finals MVP from Kawhi. So I still think he deserved more votes. <laughs> I agree, but let's hope that O'Shea can come close to that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, so I'm going to take this the next way. Um, all right. I want to talk about – well, no, we haven't even talked about this yet. I want to talk about the loss of Serge Ibaka and Marcus Hall. I feel like we completely glossed over that. Like it was – you know, oh, they lost their size. Oh, they lost their size. Aaron, they brought in Aaron Baines. They brought in Alex Len. They brought back Chris Boucher. Saying they lost their size, I think that's – I don't know if I'm mean, it's – not, it's not right. It's not correct because Alex Len is a, ma- is a mountain. That man is like 7'1", seven seven yeah. 300 pounds, doesn't move at all. He is a brick. <laughs> he is a mountain. That man is large. Um, yeah. And Aaron Baines, my spirit animal, 6'11". Boucher is back. Um, they didn't really lose size. What they lost was perimeter defense from their big. And I'm wondering how that will impact the schemes. With Nick Nurse, I don't worry about that too much. But I want to hear about the Aaron Baines fit and whether you see Alex Len or Chris Boucher taking that next step up into getting more minutes, more playing time at the backup five rule. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm very happy Marcus All is, is gone. I'm so Whoa! <laughs> I'm just going to be take. honest. I love this take. I love this take. Heat! Heat! I mean, the one thing we know for sure is that Aaron Baines is going to hit all the threes that Marcus All bricks for us, you know, late in the stretch. <laughs> Damn. Um, don't come at don't come at Mark's neck like that. That guy got you a ring. That guy got no, you a Mark, ring. And, that guy got you a ring and was drunk for a week straight. <laughs> but you got to respect Marcus. All the guys that he's two, a baller. He's a two baller. legendary performances on the court, <laughs> on the court, and on the booth. <laughs> I, I just don't think it's it's that crucial that we lost him. I don't think it's it's that that big of a deal. I think Boucher is going to really step his game up this season and put him just as much of an impact as Mark did, if not more, because Ooh. you know he's younger, athletic. Mm-hmm. Loki jumps out the gym. Mark mm-hmm. can't jump five. five, five <laughs> <laughs> Mark's got that pizza box vertical. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think they were good moves, man. The, the one thing that really threw me off was Serge because I thought he was an integral piece of our roster. You know, mm-hmm. I thought he liked it here, but yeah. Do you think that moving to Tampa got rid of Serge? I mean, I I have no idea. To be honest, I I, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm. Sur- it's been a really quiet front. The surge leaving, not not that it not that it's been quiet the move, but that usually when a player like that moves, I mean, just look at Montrez Harrell, look at uh, look at my man Trez. Um, 
versus Mafuzi Chef. Um, look at my man Trez, how loud it's been his move. It's been talked about. Pat Bev got angry. Everyone, it went viral how angry he was. He went on two different Instagram lives to talk trash on the Clippers for not wanting him back. Um, and I have no hate for that. I love it so much. It makes it endears him to me. He's probably one of my new favorite Lakers. Um, Eli, I might need you to buy me a Montrez Herald jersey. Um, <laughs> Eli is the jersey plug, by the way. Montreal, hit him up. Um, I'll be having his Instagram on my Instagram. You'll see it. Um, but for Serge Ibaka, it's been really quiet. Why do you guys think? Is there? Do you guys think? Do you guys have any thoughts on why he left? Do you think yeah, Tampa, uh, I think Tampa played into it personally. What do you guys think? I'll start it off. Honestly, if you, if you think about it, I think the main reason why he left, and although it's, it's pretty obvious, I'll still, I'm still going to state it, I think Kawhi played an integral part into that. I think if the Clippers don't have Kawhi, then he doesn't go there. And I'll, and I'll go into why. Because the Clippers, as much as, as, much as they had a good defensive roster last year, they needed a player like Serge Ibaka because mm-hmm. Trez, don't get me wrong, like he can sh- score a three once in no, a while. No, once in a while. <laughs> I say once in a while. And, and yeah, I, yeah, no, I know what you know. mean. I know what you but, mean. But Serge, for a big man, he's a very, very good three-point shooter. And I think that's exactly what the Clippers need. And not only that, I don't just think it's a move for him because he's going to LA and with Kawhi. I also think it's a good marketing brand for him. I think that with his Mafuzi Chef on YouTube, as well as with clothing brands that he does, it will be so much easier for him to market himself as well as his brand in LA Mm -hmm. versus a place like Toronto. And honestly, I don't, I mean, as a Raptors fan, it sucks. I appreciate Serge. I've met him a few times. He's a super nice guy. So I can't fault him too much for trying to go play in LA, you know, Staples Center. I don't know if they're going to have the new arena open, uh, the Clippers, but Staples Center with Kawhi, who he won a championship with, you know, in the heat, you know, not a lot of state tax. You get where I'm going with this. So I can't really fault him. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think the Ibaka move, he, he made his little Instagram post, nice and heartfelt. I think a lot of the reason there might not be that much drama is just about, it, it speaks to me about how good the Raptors organization really is and how much those guys actually care for one another and treat each other like, real people and not just basketball commodities because you look at what came out of the Clippers, it got heated, a lot of the locker room tensions boiled over into the media and the Raptors lose an integral piece of their franchise and it's just like, all right, thank you for coming here and helping us win a championship. We appreciate everything you did off on your next chapter of your career. Nothing to say about you. No players coming out saying that they're surprised you left. Nothing to say. And then I also like, I think it's kind of what Will said earlier is part of him leaving was I think just to clear up cap, like there's not, I think Masai looks at his roster and says, if I bring back Serge Ibaka and Marcus all we're not making a run at the championship. So paying Serge 20 million for the next two years is essentially useless when you have, I think Chris Boucher who's coming up can be that starting center for them. I love like Chris Boucher won G league MVP and defensive player of the year when he was leading the nine Oh five averaging 30 and 10 and three blocks. Like Chris Boucher is like that. He's nice. So if they give him some keys, some more time on offense, time to run the floor, shoot the ball a little bit more, get a feel for the game. I think he'll really start to be impactful. And you'll see him put up games of like 2010, two, three blocks. Chris Boucher is coming over. He, you've seen him jump 
we've seen him get postered and we've seen him jump with pretty much everyone in the league so far. And I love to see that from a big man. You know, Aaron Baines isn't afraid to get postered too. So oh, in yeah. terms of losing their size, I think they lose a lot of skill in terms of interior defense. But the heart and the tenacity of just like what it needs to play defense in the NBA, those guys are still there for the Raptors. That's so good. they'll still be decent in the middle. But I it's like definitely that. A, it's a revamp for them. It's just a quick youth movement. And I think mm. this is this could be a really good example of how to retool a franchise from losing a superstar like Kawhi and then, okay, we have two, three off-seasons. Now we're back in the conference finals again. And what happens? What did we do to get there, you know? That's true. That could be that could be a really good blueprint for a lot of teams. And I think we're going to – I mean, you know, the, the Warriors are going to have to go through that right now. A lot of teams are going through that right now. They were so high, and then they're crashing. I mean, this, the Cavaliers have completely bottomed out. The last thing I want to say on the Raptors before we move on, because this has gone a little longer than I wanted, but I love it. I'm having a great time. Um this is my hot take. I love having a couple of really, really scolding hot takes uh, that I think I have enough backup for. Was Serge Ibaka ever that good since, since OKC? Was Serge Ibaka ever that good since OKC? Yes. He signed that fat contract with the Magic, and uh, he stunk it up. He didn't play very well. Empty stats, losing basketball, lots of nothing good was coming out. Um, he moves on to the Raptors. He plays for Dwayne Casey. And uh, I think I actually got a Snapchat or two from Will freaking out about how bad Serge Ibaka was playing. <laughs> um, again and again, Serge Ibaka stunk it up and stunk it up as a player under Dwayne Casey. Suddenly, Nick Nurse shows up, and uh, Serge Ibaka is the second coming. Nick Nurse shows up. Serge Ibaka is the second coming of Jesus. And is the best player on the Raptors. Yeah, but... Or the best center on the Raptors. My, my take is, hear me out. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not even saying he's, like, not good. But you think that he was only great because of the positions that Nick Nurse put him in on offense and defense. And anyone, anyone would be highlighted in a Nick Nurse system because he knows how to get the most out of every single one of his players, and Masai knows how to get him players that will get him the most with the way he coaches. So I'm not saying that he's not a great player. I'm not saying that he's not a good player. I'm saying do we think that he's only great and amazing because of Nick Nurse's coaching? I, I have to disagree. He, he's, you know, you look back in 2012 when he averaged 3.7 blocks. Sergi Balaka. That's greatness, like, you know? But then if you want to translate to throughout his career, he has steadily been going down. He didn't even average a block a game this year. Wow. And Sergi Baca, I mean, I guess you used to get him for his defense. Now you get him for his ability to stretch the floor. And if you want to look at his ability to stretch the floor, he, like, he sets the bar, I think. Oh, definitely. As your average, productive, stretch five, I think he's, I think he's, he's, he's good. He's good. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, part- I wish, I wish, I wish we were filming it just so everyone could have seen the faces that Eli just made. <laughs> oh my god, I love it! I love it. It was there was I mean, so look, much thinking going on. I love it. I mean, look, I want to play devil's advocate, but <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I just don't agree with the take, and I'll tell you why. Because, Go for it. because people are forgetting <clears throat> that. The Raptors had Valanchunas for a long time. And although, although 
he was really good for them. And so was Ibaka coming off the bench, sometimes starting. They had a big, they had a, you know, they had a big lineup. But I think that the best move for Ibaka was getting rid of Valanciunas because that really opened up everything for him. He became, I mean, he was always a good three-point shooter, but he just became, you know, he, he, I don't know. I feel like he just had more confidence. Maybe it's just me. And he didn't really have to play that much defense because when we traded away Valanciunas and they got Gasol, Gasol kind of took that defense upon himself. Like, I'm not saying Ibaka doesn't play defense. It's just he, he had a bit more flexibility, you know, <clears throat> to be more of himself rather than with Valanciunas because I love Valanciunas, but he's not that great defensively. So that's that's kind of why I think I don't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily say it's Nick Nurse, although Nick yeah. Nurse is a top three coach in the NBA, and I'm not being biased. It's just number fact. one. <laughs> he's number one. He's, okay, he's got he's he might just be number one. Okay, well, it depends on the, how the Spurs do this year because I still have high regard for Pop. But um, regardless, he's up there. <laughs> <laughs> he's up there, and I just think that I just think that he was very good for the Raptors. That's. I, I like that. I, I like the argument. I don't think I don't even necessarily fully agree with that take that I put out, but I just wanted to put it out there because I think that there's <laughs> definitely a potential of it happening, and I want that I told you so factor. Eli Bauer, EB Gaines. I want to know what is one <laughs> off season you loved. I want to know what is what whose off season did you love? Well, first off, I'm just gonna if the pod doesn't know, John is a big uh, Lakers fan, so I don't want to gas him up a bit too much because we all know the Lakers had a really good off season, you know, mm-hmm. but. Um, other than them, I really like what the Atlanta Hawks have done. Okay, wait, can and I stop you really quick? Can I stop you really quick? Because I actually got I actually got in some troubles about that today on my Instagram with my old coach, Coach Rashad Phillips, Mr. 2319, uh, two-time Naismith Award winner, Coach Rashad Phillips. Um, he posted his podcast. He loves the Atlanta Hawks. He loves Trey Young. I love the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young. Uh, but he posted that they had the best offseason. I said, no, LeBron had the best offseason. The Lakers had the best offseason. <laughs> and he took a lot of offense to that. And I think I, uh, I think I offended him a little bit. And I'm very sad about that. The Hawks had the second best offseason, but Lakers were number one. Eli, please keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think undoubtedly almost the best offseason. I'll tell you why, okay? Because don't get me wrong. The Lakers, I'll just bring up the Lakers for a second and I'll pass on to Box. The Lakers had a good offseason, but they already won the chip. They already had a good foundation. As much as the Hawks had Trey Young, you know, John Collins, some up-and-coming players like Capella, they really haven't been good since they blew it up and, you know, no more Josh Smith, traded away, got rid of Millsap, Horford, Teague, you know, that Corver, that whole, when they had like four, all, I think it was four All-Stars from their all starting Hawks. lineup. Just, yeah, all Hawks. So deserved, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, but I, no. but I think that from a team that just finished twenty and forty-seven, fourteenth in the East, Trey coming off his second year, twenty-nine point six points per average, when he's number one, undoubtedly number one scoring option. Now he has so many more weapons around him that they don't necessarily have to just focus on Trey Young. For example, if he has a game and he's only scoring 15 points, they can still win that game because they have a lot of points from Bogdanovich. They have a lot of points from 
uh, Reddish, who I think is going to have an unreal season. Definitely. That, know, dude's a, that dude's a hooper. That dude's a you hooper. You know, Collins. Collins no well. Reddish slander on this podcast. Right. Collins. By the way, his rookie cards are going for about $4,000 right now. But anyway, that's Reddish? a yeah. 4000 yes, What? I'm yeah. certified. That's yeah, insane. Depends, depends on the grade. But anyways, that's a topic for another day. But I also think they had a good offseason because I think they went BPA at number – at number six with their draft pick. I mean, they didn't really necessarily have a need. They, Ooh. they pretty, I don't, I don't, I don't think they necessarily had a need. I mean, they could have went guard. They could have went forward. They could have went, they could, but they, they could have done anything. I think a Kungu is good. The only reason I just don't necessarily think so is because that kind of puts Collins's future in jeopardy. Oh, but, they did plenty to, to mess with Collins future. We talked about that on our last podcast. You know, if, if Collins' future wasn't in jeopardy before when they just brought in Capella, they then bring in Okongwu and Danilo Gallinari. Something is stirring there with John Collins, and you cannot tell me otherwise. Uh, keep going, though. Keep going, though. Yeah, and if you look at their assets, okay, they have two firsts in 2022. They have a first-round pick next year, three seconds. They have three seconds in 2022. You know, in the next couple of drafts, they still have, they still have draft picks that if they ever need to make any moves, they have the assets for them. If there's ever another, you know, good player or really good superstar that wants out, maybe like a Victor Oladipo or like a Bradley Beal, they have a ton of assets to give up to make their team just that much better. So I think that they had an insane offseason bringing in Bogdanovich, Gallinari, um, just second years for, you know, DeAndre and Reddish, bringing in a player who's not that spoken about, although I know you like the Lakers, Rondo, Chris Dunn, who's amazing defensively, who could kind of take off from Trey Young, who can, they can put him in late, in, in late matchups at the end of the game. And they didn't really lose anyone. I mean, they lost Raptors legend DeAndre Bembry, you know? <laughs> they lost <laughs> Jeff Teague. They lost Jeff Teague. They didn't lose Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague was on uh, the Timberwolves. No, but I, I know, but like before I'm saying, I mean, they lost, they traded him before, before but they also that's lost. A long, uh, that's a long ways back. But okay. it, it, well, well, I want to hear your take on the on the Atlanta hard. Hawks off. Well, I want to hear your take on the Atlanta Hawks off season. Look, I mean, for a team that let's be honest, like they'll probably make the playoffs. Keyword probably. Oh, probably. I like that. That was going to be my next question. Like you could judge. Like I mean, I mean, I mean, you got to look at why you make all these changes in the offseason. Obviously, they're trying to you know get a winning culture just around. This is point guard of Trey Young because he's just he's a monster. Like you can't. So they brought in all these guys who like they're solid vets. You know, obviously Rondo. If Trey does a bad thing, he's gonna smack him, grab him by the ear, and tell him what he's supposed to do. <laughs> um, but overall, I think that they made some good moves. I just like, I just can't like. I, will they even make the playoffs? It's like you know. I mean, yeah. I think I think Bogdanovich put them over the top for that, but. I mean, for the Hawks, the thing that I've worried about that they're they just are relying on a lot of young guys i feel like to take a next step which isn't necessarily a bad call because in the nba i think the, the league's been trending towards younger guys stepping up and playing well at a young age when you give them the keys but if you look i look at the atlanta hawks team and they're making a a team that's making a push for the playoffs but not a contender by any means so it's just a certain amount of how many of these assets are they going to be able to keep and hold on to 
because eventually all these rookie guys and these young guys that are going to be up and coming are going to be due for extensions and they can't re-sign everybody. So they're going to have to make some decisions coming up throughout this season and next season about who's on the team, who's moving off of the team. I just, I like the, the direction they're heading in, but I don't know if they're nearly where they need to be yet to really make some noise. So I hope that they can keep going in the right direction and profit off of all the assets they have. But there's something to be said for just getting everything together, but not being able to put it in action to actually create a championship franchise. You know, I want to talk about what you just said about paying the, their young guys, because I think it's an interesting point because I mean, okay. Other than John Collins, I think they actually executed perfectly because in terms of their young talent, that, that is really, they're important young talent, the young talent that cannot be replaced with a quick MLE, a taxpayer MLE, or a vet minimum signing, that is, that is Trey Young, who is there. And that is one of uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. Only one of them needs to become elite. Only one of them needs to take that next step to being a top, a good starting small forward. And then they have a starting five of Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, one of those guys, Danilo Gallinari, and Capella. And there's no young guys. But then on the bench, you got Kevin Herter. You got the other one of the two small forwards I mentioned, Onyeka and Onyeka Okongwu. I'm imagining they will trade John Collins. That's what all these things signal to me. They are trading John Collins, or John Collins is going to have an all-star season and show everyone what he's made out of. Um, but what that means, also with the rookies, you don't have to be paying Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter for three more years. Kevin Herter will not command, command a big salary. And Onyeka Okongwu has four more years. So you have a little bit of time before you need to start worrying about that. And when the Galnari deal comes off the books, you're paying probably one of Reddish and Hunter. Or both, and they're both really good, and then that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're going to the right direction, like I said. I just think that there's something to be said for setting yourself up for the future, and then there's executing properly in the future as well. You know, like they're... Mm-hmm. They're doing all the right steps right now. So this offseason was definitely good for them. And it's just, it, it remains good if the future ones also go with this. But if they start making moves like trying to acquire a, a Al Horford or a Paul Millsap to win now, it's going to be yeah. what's going Oof. on in Atlanta. Oof. Like, <laughs> Oof. They'd make some Detroit Piston-esque uh, big men signings. And didn't, they the almost get, didn't they almost get Millsap or am I thinking of someone else? Who almost got Millsap? Did anyone remember? I, I didn't hear anything. About it's Atlanta that. until I hear otherwise. It's Atlanta. No, it wasn't. I remember it was another team, but it wasn't Atlanta. Oh, we can't remember who it is. So I'm saying it's not until I hear otherwise. But my big question about the Atlanta Hawks, okay? So I know Eli is incredibly low on the Indiana Pacers because uh, I talked to him about it extensively. <laughs> but there's still seven teams that you don't have to pencil. There's seven teams in the East. The Bucks. The the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat, Nets, oof, Nets, Pacers. Oh, give me the last one. Give me the last one. Um, Nets, Pacers, Sixers. Sixers. Thank you. Of those seven teams, six of them are guaranteed to make the playoffs. Seven of them realistically could. Mm-hmm. Then battling for that eighth seed. And the seventh seed, if one of them falls out. Well, battling for the eighth seed is the, of, of the sixth, the one that fell. Yeah. Hawks, 
the Magic, who we can't forget about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we might. We will forget about them. But they said they've made the eight seed like seven years in a row. You can't <laughs> forget about them. You can't. You won't. The Charlotte Hornets mm-hmm. and the Wizards. And I think the Bulls might be might have some noise. The Bulls agree. The, the Bulls might agreed. Like, uh, and I don't think any team in the East is not, except for the Knicks, is not trying to win. They're all trying to make the Knicks. I think they've embraced that they're going to take a year off, and I think that's good. I think that's the best management that they've done in a long time. They need a little bit of time to let RJ get better and Mitch get better and Obi Toppin get better. But do you see the Hawks being the top of that list? Um, what are your thoughts? Personally, I don't see them being the top, but I see them. I definitely see them as at least a sixty, at least and at least a sixty. We don't see them at the top. So whoa, whoa. like the, like the like six, seven, eight. Top, top of the top of the second list. I gave. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I see them. I think it's almost. I mean, there's no locks, but I think I think I'm pretty sure with the depth that that team has, if they have a bad injury to someone, they have other guys that can bounce back. So I do, I do really believe in them. I do think they'll be a good team. And from the teams that you named, I mean, we'll forget about the Pacers. Maybe let's, I have to. Let's not start. Let, let, wait, wait, let's let's not start talking about each of them individually. Just no, no, I'm not. I'm not. All all I'm saying, all I'm saying is just that there's no locks to make the playoffs. And I think that with a team like them that's made so much, you know, that's made so many good moves. And that has a lot of depth. They could definitely make it. All right. Well, what are your thoughts? Honestly, the East is up for grabs. I'm going to be honest. Like, I like that. Chaos. I mean, I mean, you look at a team like the Sixers who are like trying to make that push. But yeah. it is mm-hmm. a disaster in right now, right? <laughs> um, so if you talk about the top of that list, maybe you put Philly there and move them out of like the top three seeds and move them down to six, seven, eight. <laughs> um, who knows if Miami Heat could do what they did again? You know, mm. was it a fluke? Reports you, are out that they, people think it's a fluke. That's the reports right now. Right? So uh, the, everyone has something to prove in the East. Everyone. Mm. Oh, I think it's up for grabs, and I think it's going to be one of the better, you know. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So now I'm going to ask for an offseason you like, and I hope it's not an Eastern Conference team because uh, apparently there's no win in the East. So tell me. <laughs> um, an offseason I like is I like what the Blazers did. The yeah. Blazers okay, did. media man, Neil O'Shea. Everyone loves Neil. Tell me. Tell me why. Tell me why. Um, I mean, you got to look at their offseason from a standpoint that they have a top five. You could argue Dame's a top five player in the league. I'd put him you as a good argue. second second level star. Like, you know, first level being the guys that, like, take you to the conference finals every year. Right. Anyway, I'd put him in that second level. They're trying to make that push, and I think they have faith in Dame that he could be their guy. And I think they added some integral pieces that could help make that push. You look at Robert Covington. Yeah. Like, he's a, he's a, he's a defender. That's, that's what they need, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, besides the fact that he just loves to shoot threes. The guy shot almost eight game and only made 34% of them, which is good, but... It's, it's all right. Um, I mean, it, it, to be honest, it's what you need in this day and age to win a championship. You need big guys who are just going to chuck threes. <laughs> <laughs> and and his canter, he was a good pickup. You know what you're gonna get from him. He's in his canter. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Every now and then, once every uh, once every few weeks, you look down at the ticker when you're watching the games, and it's oh, and his canter has like twenty and twenty, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> and then you look every other day, and it's like, and his canter has zero and zero in twenty minutes, and you're like, oh, yeah. Very up and down that guy. Not the consistency. You know. 
I think um, I think losing Hassan, take it how you how you, like however it is, see it as a positive in that yeah. you know Yusuf gets more of a you know he has that push now to really be the the, the own that starting spot, and um, he just didn't really look right in Portland. I like I can't explain it. Oh man, I have so many stats on why. I have so I hate stats, and I have so many stats on why. <laughs> I am like the ultimate anti-stat geek. And I am sitting here because I saw your paper talking about Hassan, and I'm like, no, no, I have like seven stats ready to rip him apart. I mean, man- you want to talk about stats to, you know, make him look good? The guy came off a season where arguably nobody really felt his defensive presence, but he still averaged three blocks, right? Hey, yeah, but uh, how many times was he pump fake? Was he getting caught on pump fakes? How many fouls did he average? How uh, how many times did he bite on Ennis Cantor in the corner shooting a three? Well, now they have Ennis Cantor, so. Now they, <laughs> that won't happen again, so what's the problem? <laughs> um, he, he's, he's been a walking, like, double-double his whole career, Hassan. So, you know, you're losing that. But hopefully guys like, you know, Cantor and Covington will make up for it. Um, the acquisition of Derek Jones Jr. is just a walking highlight. I think that's just good for the culture, you know? Mm-hmm. Also a good um, backup small, but good possible starting or backup small forward. Dude's a jack, a jack of all trades. Yeah, um, never yeah. shooting, except for shooting. Can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> what else yeah, is it, that's pretty. Much, I think that's that's what I got from them, and I just really like what they did because I think with these acquisitions like of Covington, Jones, Canner, and like I think it's gonna push Dame because let's be real, they didn't really have a chance last year as much as everyone tried to push it that first series in the West between the mm-hmm. Lakers and the Blazers. Everyone's like, oh, my God, Dame's going gonna to beat the Lakers. And look how that turned out. Like, <laughs> and, and was anyone surprised? <laughs> I mean, Eli, you got any thoughts on him? Yeah. Um, you brought up some good points, but I actually disagree. I'll Ooh. tell you why. I think that the acquisition of Rocco, he, you know, I think he's a really good player, good shooter, good defender, exactly what they need. The problem is, and their only problem, is that they're in the West, you know? And they've pretty much had the same core of players for the past five seasons, every year. Dame, CJ, Dame, CJ, you know, always have another small forward, whether it's Ariza, you know, whether it's Rocco, whether it's Melo, whether, regardless of who it is, they've always kind of had to fit that. And I'm not saying they had a bad offseason because the acquisition Rocco is definitely a positive for them. And they'll definitely be, uh, be um, not definitely, but they'll probably be higher than an eight seed this year, like they were last year, just making it in the plan. But I do think, I do think that in order to compete in the West, you may have to make um, more significant moves, especially yeah. after seeing what the Lakers did, after seeing how the Clippers got a bit better uh, with their depth, and you know how having the Nuggets who are emerging right now. So it just, I I can't necessarily say they had a win. But it wasn't a loss. So I would kind of put them in like the middle-ish. If that makes sense. I still think they should blow up and build around Ed Simons. <laughs> That's my boy. That's my boy right there. That dude's different. Um. I, I do like the, the Blazers offseason. I think they made a lot of interesting moves. I don't know if it was necessarily the right ones. I'm personally not a huge fan of the Ennis Kanter pickup. I don't really think they needed that. I Bro, think they, they gave up Mario Hazonia for him. That's a, at worst, that's addition by subtraction. That's, that's fifth overall job, pick bro. over there. <laughs> fifth overall pick, bro. Keep going. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I wasn't gonna let you get away with that. <laughs> I don't I know. Needed, you, you, you gotta get stopped on that one. Mario Hazonia had a rough season. 
Yeah, I mean, after, after he blocked LeBron at Madison Square Garden, it pretty much went downhill from him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Legendary highlights. Highlight of his career. Man dunked on Giannis and then blocked LeBron. And, uh, yeah, that's a career. Super Mario. That's what he needs. But, no, I really <laughs> thought that uh, – they brought in Harry Giles, who I think can be yes. the my side for them. That's like a Better. plug-and-play person. And I think they could have given some of those backup five minutes to Zach Collins, too. I really like the shooting he provides for them. He's got some size, got some protection to him. I think he could play small ball five on the Blazers, especially if you put Rocco at the four with him. Like you could look at, I could look at a lame lineup of like Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Rocco, and Zach Collins and not hate it. It's not going to be a long-standing thing, I- but like – three, four minutes to go on a 20-point run and just, like, outscore the other team quickly? Like, please. Are, so are you think- kidding? I'd run that in the playoffs. I think I think that's why – I mean, I think that's why they brought in Cantor. That's why they brought in Harry Giles. They're trying to find that guy that can sit there and be the, be the backup five during the regular season. So, Zach Collins doesn't need to beef up to play backup five, but he can still say his fast self. Mm-hmm. Playoffs come. Everyone's going small. Zach Collins is, like, seven feet tall and shoots threes <laughs> and gives you rim protection. Yeah. I think he's going to be a good piece for them. And then Derek Jones Jr. is high flyer, can also provide some backup center minutes because the Heat like to run him anywhere from the three to the five. Mm-hmm. And I, like He's just a showtime player, like you said. Well, it's going to be something that I think would be more exciting if there were people in the stands cheering and watching him go catch lobs from Dame from half court. Oh, yeah. Unless it'll, it'll be more exciting when we can get back to that, hopefully. But... For now, he's just a solid pickup. If he can ever become a reliable or somewhat efficient jump shooter, he'll become a very efficient, good piece for them. But until that time, it's uh, I, I hope he can go back to the dunk contest to defend himself because that's the only thing that he's going to be able to do in the NBA. <laughs> Damn. That's cold. Hey, man. That's cold. All right. Did we miss anything big on the Blazers, or can we get to the next one? Mellow's back. Mellow's back. Mellow's back. Gary Trent back. Jr. is still good. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. And so they wrote – they traded Trevor Ariza at number 16 for – and a first next year for Rocco. Rocco is like a beefed-up Trevor Ariza nowadays. You know, he's the new Trevor Ariza. Mm-hmm. Same mold of player in my opinion. On his way to catching him for a amount of trades too. Close, close. Okay. Trevor Reese yeah. has that record at 10. Although I think it'll actually be nine. I think this, this will be like merged into one trade, but whatever. Yeah. Um, the important part is Roke, they ran Trevor Reese at the three next to Carmelo at the four. Mm-hmm. Do you guys still see Carmelo Anthony starting? If not, which of their batch of wing players do you think does start? And just guess, quick, quick, really quick. I can see Covington starting at the four. I think that's why they got him. So who do they start at the three then? Either Rodney Hood or even Derek Jones, in my opinion. I like that. Eli, tell me who. Um, briefly, honestly, what's good about Rocco is he's kind of like a shift player. So you mm-hmm. can play him at the three or at the four, regardless. So he's, he's perfect. He's perfect for your rotation. But who do you think is four. starting? Starting, I, I honestly think you got to put in Melo. Maybe it's a bit of bias because I love him, but I would put mm-hmm. Melo at the three. Yeah, I got would it. leave Melo and Rocco. I think Rocco can make up for his – like whoever's at the three, four, that's going to be more – impactful Rocco can defend them and Melo can guard the other one pretty much unless you're going up against a team like the Lakers or someone who's got really dominant three fours and then just let Melo get out there get a bucket you know he doesn't want to come off the bench Melo's <laughs> they'll be they told me I had to come off the bench, bench. Hey, so, yo, uh, 
let him start, let him play 20 minutes to 25, get some buckets when they're up 45 yeah. at the end of the game, and that's about that. You know, I fully agree. I fully agree. With- off the pick and rolls. That's all my last to I fully agree. I mean, I think that's the only reason they're able to get him back instead of him going to New York to be a hero. Um, so, Bill, since I asked Eli first for his good offseason, I'm going to ask you first for your bad offseason. I want to hear. Go at it. Tell me who you think had the worst offseason in the NBA. Okay. The Hornets. Ooh, quickly, fast, and controversial because <laughs> I love their offseason. Tell me about it. Four years. $120 million, Gordon Hayward. Hey, keep going. Keep going. You're, you're going to you're gonna have, to get every, you're gonna have to get everything out. You're going to have to get everything uh, out before I go to – I, I don't want to say to nail to defend it, but I, there's a little bit of defense there. Tell I mean, me. The, the sh- I mean, that's pretty much the basis of my argument with the shining light being LaMelo Ball, right? Yeah. but I but, think LaMelo Ball outshines it, but – you're, 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 you mentioned before how – well, I mentioned before how the East is up for grabs, and this mm. includes the Hornets, right? Mm. Um, and if they're trying to win games, I don't think you sign a guy like Gordon Hayward because – What? Look, Keep going. Keep the going. Celtics didn't believe in him, right? They clearly didn't believe in him. Uh, I remember them I, – I remember getting updates every hour before the game that he came back against Miami about just how strong he was feeling – Probable, questionable. Because if it, that's, well, I remember laughing at every one of them. By the way, but still, <laughs> he's one of those players that you, if you hate him, you just get people just automatically think your your opinion isn't valid because everyone loves Gordon Hayward because of what he went through. But the the matter, like Celtics, they kept diminishing his role. Jordy because of the like uh, yeah, the they, like <laughs> they had to because of Jalen Brown and Tatum. Yes. <laughs> um. But I, I just don't see why they would give him that money. You look at guy; he makes more money than Demar Derozan, I'm pretty sure. And when you look you know at who, Demar, you know who you know who he makes less money than? Yes, I do. He makes less. He makes okay. He'll get be paying more than Giannis, Rudy Gobert, Drew Holiday, and Booth Bitch. Who? But he's got, getting paid less than Tobias Harris. I mean, Tobias Harris two firsts for Gordon Hayward, and that that signing becomes the best signing in recent in Charlotte history. Because they have not signed anybody. <laughs> here's here's the thing that I can say to to back up Bill for the Charlotte for the Charlotte Hornets. I do think like kind of like the Atlanta Hawks, they have good things for the future. But right now, I'm really worried about the organization in Charlotte. They really haven't been able to get themselves together. I think just because they have more pieces and more players than they have in recent years, you can't necessarily discount the fact that the organization itself has been pretty. Just like rotating door of staff, oh, yeah. no one who's really stayed. There's no culture throughout the team that shows any kind of like willingness to really compete in basketball. You know, Michael Jordan has not seemed to put anything into this franchise other than his money and no time. So I don't know if James Brigg is the coach. They seem to they have a lot of guys who are going to be ball dominant shot creators on their team. So how the ball moves and how their offense flows, I think, is really going to affect them because they don't have defenders. And I think mm-hmm. the Gordon Hayward signing is going to be one of the things that you look at. And it's like if James Brago can't get this team organized to the point where they're moving the ball efficiently and they're running the floor efficiently, they're going to be looking at a team that's not scoring well because you got guys holding the ball, taking tough shots, and a team that can't defend with guys who don't want to play. And that's a recipe for, for 20 wins and another nickel too, you know? 
Oh, I got to say, though, I got to say, though, tell me this, though. Lineup at the one, LaMelo Ball. At the two, either Terry Rozier or Devontae Graham. Devontae, I prefer Devontae Graham in this one. Devontae. At the three, I, Terry Rozier had a great season. I'm not done, though. I'm just giving you a lineup. Yeah. But either of those two guards. At the three, Miles Bridges. At the four, Gordon Hayward. At the five, PJ Washington. Name me one up tempo. On that roster. None. No defense at all. No defense at all. Just running and dunking and fast breaks and Lamelo full court lobs and full court throws and Gordon Hayward just being there, keeping everything in control, running. You know, being a little bit of a playmaker. Because I mean, look, that dude looked nice the last three months of the season. As a fourth option, he was putting up 19 points a game the last three months of the season. That dude can play. That dude can flat out play. I know we're giving him a lot of hate. That dude can flat out play. No one's denying Gordon Hayward's ability to play. It's just it's that, that contract. Oh, that, yeah. No, no. The contract's insane. Contract is absolutely insane. I cannot believe that that last year is not a player option. I got to say, though. I mean, a team option, but yeah. No, Eli, I was going to throw it to you next. Please tell me. Yeah, sorry. I got to say, though, the biggest dub is his agent, man. His agent. Oh, my God. Bartlesdine. Yeah. Bartlesdine. Yo, Bartlesdine needs to get, t- get the dollar sign tattooed on his forehead. Bro. <laughs> Dude, Bro. Mason Plumlee. Gordon Hayward, and I know I'm forgetting someone. And Joe yeah. Harris. Yeah. Dollars. Nah, Dollars. Bro. Bro, man just bought a new house in Boca for what I know, you know? <laughs> no, but... Uh, Ten, well, hold on, really quick. 10% agent fees on those five contracts. Joe Harris and Mason Plumlee. Joe Harris is $75 million. Mason Plumlee is 25 And Gordon Hayes is 120 So that's $220 million. So 10% of that is $22 million. That man made $22 million this offseason. Yo, round of applause for Mark Barberstein. <laughs> Happy. Yo, we love to see a man make it. Not too shabby, man. Secure the bag. He's not, Pat, he's not Pat Mahomes' agent, but uh, not too shabby. Yeah, no, but, um, you know, I, think about the recent big, when I say big free agent signings, I say in terms of money they've been given out. The past four big free agent signings the Rockets have given out, they were Bismack Biombo, you know, Timothy Mozgov, Nicholas Batum, and Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward is the best out of those four. I know the other four aren't good. I'm not even going to say great because even when they signed those contracts, we all thought it was going to be bad contracts. Timothy got it because of LeBron. Bismack got it because he just played unreal in, in the conference finals with the think, Raptors. I don't think uh, Kupchak didn't sign the Biz one or the Batum one. He signed, uh, but he did sign the Deng and the Mozgov, and he signed yeah. Terry Rozier to $60 million over three. Yeah. But those, yeah, but those are the the first ones that come to mind, like for me. But mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly think that Gordon Hayward's a good signing for them. I just don't like the dollars bonus. But if you've got to look, if you're a team like Charlotte, you don't really have anything going for you the past fifteen years. The best thing that that, that goes that's going for you is your best player leaving in free agency. You know, and I think that for a team like them, that even you know they had to overpay Gordon Hayward. Okay, they had to they had to give him a bit more, but. That's what a team like Charlotte, Charlotte has to do in order to secure talent. I think LaMelo Ball was, I mean, even though he's a three, and I can't necessarily no say one. to steal, but I do think it's the best pick in the draft. Mm. I love LaMelo Ball. I've been following him a lot in, um, in the Australian League, and he's been putting up almost triple doubles. He's unreal. I think he's going to fit in perfectly with that team. The only thing I don't understand is what they're going to do with Rozier, but maybe they're going to package him in the uh, in a you know in a sign and trade with Boston and bring Batum to the Thunder and Presti's gonna finesse more picks. I don't know exactly what's going on, 
But I, I don't think it was that bad. It was a big contract, but I think he'll fit in well for them. I think that's what they need. And with young guys like P.J. Washington, like Lamelo, you know, next year, even, they're, let's be honest, they're probably not making the playoffs. They're not the lottery pick. They could be a decent, a decent team. So I don't hate it that much. I'm, I fully agree. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Like, I think LaMelo, like LaMelo Ball on its own, I think getting LaMelo Ball at three made their offseason a win no matter what. That Fact. dude was not a third overall pick. That dude's a, that dude should have gone number one. That dude is going to be the best. That dude has the biggest boom-bust potential. He really could be the one. That, I mean, boom-bust. He has the oh. biggest boom-bust potential. If he booms, that's the best player in this draft class, and I'm not, I'm not even looking. And that's a draft class with my man. That's a draft class with my man, Cole Anthony. My man Cole Anthony in this is in this draft class, and I'm still saying Lamelo Ball could be the best player. James Wiseman, James Wiseman, of course, if he learns how to slide on the perimeter and can hit a three every now and then and do a little bit of playmaking, is going to be the best big in the history of being a big. Yeah, I mean, modern big, modern big. For the just to get back to the your lineup there, John, that you wanted to run out for the Hornets, I I really, really am worried about the defense there. There's no no. Well, no, Dude, who cares shed, about defense? It's about having fun. <laughs> no shed of the defenders. No shed of any rebounders there either. It's like you're not securing any defensive boards. You're not securing offensive boards. Miles Bridges is really the only one who's going to go get lobs. PJ Washington will do it, but he's not going to run the floor consistently with them. And then Mac. Gordon Hayward's going to be there to help them. Like I do like Gordon Hayward. Obviously, as a player, we, we all agree that he's still a very talented NBA player. I do agree that Charlotte has to overpay to get talent, but I think that this is bad because this isn't the time to get the talent. Like this isn't when they needed to sign a hundred twenty million dollar player. Mm-hmm. This is not the move for them right now. They should have pretty much just tanked and tried to get another high overall pick because the next class coming in is going to be botched. Insane. About bringing a guy Insane. like Jonathan Kuminga yeah. to the team to run. And that, they can get Jonathan Kuminga with the seventh pick. They don't even need to do that. That. You're right. They can take Mobley too. I mean, I'm gonna say okay. I'm gonna say this to close it out. I think that Loki, one of their biggest mistakes is bringing in Bismarck Biombo when they already have so many bigs. They need to give Vernon Carey minutes. They need to give they need to give PJ Washington minutes at the five. I think that Bismarck Biombo coming back was a mistake, but that's a small mistake. He's a minimum player. You could just not play him. All right, Eli. For the last topic, I'd like to know. Tell me. Who had the worst offseason to you? All right, you guys are going to think this is a bit controversial. I but love it. I think, it's, I think it's fairly obvious. I mean, I got to go back to these. I think the Bucks had the worst offseason. Yes! Thank you! Big snaps, <laughs> big snaps. I don't know if my mic picks it up, but I'm snapping over here. Yes! <laughs> yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Tell me more. Okay, so I'm going to just – firstly, I'm going to start off with the plus minus. What they gained versus – what they lost. They gained, they only had two picks, whatever. They signed in the free agent. They, they drafted Jordan, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce it, and Wara. Nora. Nora, yeah. Nora, yeah. I can't, I can't really talk that much about him. We I don't know how good he's going to I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, I mean that too, but I can't really, I can't talk that much about him or Sam Merrill. Oh, I can't, I can't really talk, talk about, about Sam Merrill. That dude's a shooter, but whatever. I watched him play live once, and he's Jordan my favorite yeah. player. But. Yeah, because he's lights up. Probably didn't play versus NBA players. Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, <laughs> but um, Drew Holiday acquisition, Augustine acquisition, Bobby Portis. I, sorry, I forgot to say, Knicks legend, 
Bobby Portis <laughs> acquisition, <laughs> Jalen Adams. And you guys are going to think that I'm capping right now, but I think their best acquisition of the offseason that no one talks about was Tory Craig. And that's he, and if that's your best offseason acquisition, then it's a bit of an L. And I'll tell you why I think that. They lost Wesley Matthews. Now, I'm not going to hype him up too much because John's going to get a bit too excited about his Lakers. <laughs> um, Bledsoe, good guard, decent guard, was very good with, uh, with Phoenix. George Hill, one of the best six-man point guards in the league or backup point guards in the league, in my opinion. Uh, Robin Lopez, I mean, he wasn't that much, but, you know, we're going to miss those WWE moments. <laughs> um, Sterling Brown, Kyle Korver. Yeah, how does Sterling Reynolds, Brown go for the minimum? Whatever. Yeah, um, Mason, so Ilya Sova, Marvin Williams, like a ton of players. That's Dean just Rose. players they lost. We're not even mentioning the picks. They have a first-round pick in 2021. They're 2022. They lost out on an eighth grader. There's a 13-year-old that was going to be drafted by the Bucks, and now he won't be drafted by the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Mel Mel in New York, you know. <laughs> Bucks tested, but. 20, 2021, first-round pick. Now, here's where it gets tricky. 2022 pick, top 10 protected to the Caps. Okay? 2023 Bucks. 2024, pick swap with the Pelicans. 2025, Pelicans. 2026, Pelicans. 27, Pelicans. You know? <laughs> Wait, really quick. I just got to say, in the class of 2027, my man, Jamal McKnight Jr. from Washington, D.C. is the number one ranked player. And that guy could change the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bro. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna have the first overall pick, Bryce Maximus uh, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah. So they gave up a ton for Drew Holiday. And I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with the front office, but they may have to make a new step-in rule after this offseason. Yeah, thank you. That's, you know, that's something they're not talking about enough. If Giannis doesn't sign the Supermax, there's going to be a new step-in rule that's my because, next, of how, that's because of my how next. bad this trade is going to be. And that's Eli, I'm going to let you talk about the, the Giannis thing, but I just want to say that, that there, this is not okay trading a 2027 pick before you – if you don't have any contracts that go past that date. Fact. Eli, I agree. More. I agree. I agree. Giannis I'll, thing. I'll go on briefly because I know I'm a bit of a chatterbox, but quick. Okay, <laughs> Drew Holiday. You're doing fine, buddy. Don't worry. Drew Holiday does bring them. Like, he brings them a lot of flexibility because you could play any guard. You could play point guard or you could play shooting guard. So they're going to have a lot of fun with that matchup. He's very good defensively, very good three-point shooter. We could rave. Everyone calls him the most underrated player in the league. It's making him a bit overrated now that yep. people say that. You know what Thank I mean? you. He, Mike Conley syndrome. Yeah, facts, facts. I mean, Mike Conley is a different story, but anyways. But old Mike Conley, yeah. Mike Conley. Drew Holiday has a player option next year. Giannis is a free agent. We all know future Raptors legend. We gotta pray. But you know, when you're making all these moves, if if it, I would have called it a good off season, if Giannis would have resigned. Giannis not resigning to me is very troubling. Giving away that many first round picks for. Not even a, a superstar. I mean, the Lakers gave up almost. I mean, the Lakers gave up almost the same amount to get a perennial superstar in the league right now, in Anthony Davis, who beg, agreed to disagree. Could have won Finals MVP, but that's a different story. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just, I just, it's a bit of a head scratcher for me because I like the move a lot, but giving up that many picks and then just losing all these depth players too, and and you know, it gets leaked from the organization that they're trying to. Trade for Bogdanovich and it's it's just terrible. And then they they're they're no, saying, they didn't oh, they try to trade for Bogdanovich. They fully traded for Bogdan Bogdanovich before you were allowed to sign him to a contract. Yeah, 
and yeah. then bragged about tampering and then got called out and Adam Silver called them and said, if you sign him, I'll fine you. Right. And so right. they couldn't sign him and they looked incompetent. And now that's bad also for DiVincenzo, who I think is the only bright spot in the future for them. And I'll touch about, upon that. He's, but he's a Nova kid. That's the thing. DiVincenzo's a Nova kid. Like, I love the Villanova kids, but I love the Villanova kids for being my role player. Yeah. Hey, like, talk Aaron, bad about Kyle Lowry. Oh, man, I forgot that Lowry was a Nova kid. Yeah, That's on me. I'm talking, I'm talking the new age Nova kids. And Ever since that last natty. Since the last – well, the natty, yeah. Ever since the last natty, like the first natty, they've been role players. They've been, and they've excelled at it. They've been great at it. I was ecstatic when the Lakers got Josh Hart, and I was sad to see him go. Not that I thought he was ever going to be a superstar, but that he filled his role and he did well. And right. that's what you get with these Nova kids. Right. But, Will, I'm going to ask if you have an opinion on, on this, if you have a conflicting opinion or anything on this. I mean, clearly they, they want to win a chip, you know, or they wouldn't mm-hmm. have – they want to do it now. They don't want to do it in 2027. They want to do it now. <laughs> um, and I, I, think, I think Drew is, you know, he's Drew Holiday. He's he, most underrated, in quotations, player in the league. Um, uh, I mean, it, it all depends on Giannis if he really wants to take that next step because you saw in the playoffs. Like, I mean, he did get hurt and stuff, but I don't know. It's just, he's got to want it. I can't explain it. It's, he's he's got to win now, you know? Which, and that's what this trade is doing. I'm going to say this right now. If Giannis signs before the December 21st deadline, then this was an A-plus trade for the – then this was the best offseason the Bucks have ever had in their had, – have ever had because they never keep their superstars. Yeah. Um. If he doesn't sign that Supermax, this is a horrible – this is an F offseason. This is the worst offseason in the books, period. And even if he signs next offseason, the fear that the team will have all year will be detrimental. If he doesn't sign the Supermax, it's, no, it's, it's an F offseason, even if they sign him next year. Um, I mean – Sorry. No, 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 no. Go I thought there was silence. <laughs> I was going to go ahead and actually say that I think the Bucks have really not had as bad of an offseason as a lot of people would like to say. I know, first of all, there wasn't that many free agents that they could have gone and got this year, most, mostly because of their cap space is not really evident, but also there weren't just a lot of guys that were out there to get contracts. I don't think them giving money to Gordon Hayward would have necessarily been the answer. And then... As much as the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade blowing up definitely hurts their franchise and how they get looked at within the rest of the league, I think you got to. I'm realizing they still have Dante DiVincenzo, Ursan Eliasova, and DJ Wilson on roster. All guys that I think can come off the bench and provide good minutes for them next year, which was my main concern with them was I thought they lost a lot of their bench depth. But bringing in a guy like Bryn Forbes, who I like as a scorer, I like yeah. as a shooter. I like Bryn Forbes, too. He can't play a lot of minutes for them because he's not going to be able to play defense in the playoffs. But having him and Drew Holiday as a backcourt isn't the worst thing in the world for a little while because Drew can lock up. It's kind of like a mini version of what Atlanta's doing with Chris Dunn and Trey Young where you have one guy who's going to be guarding whichever is the better guard and the other one's out there to score. And that's what they're mm-hmm. going to do with Bryn Forbes. And I think putting guys around Giannis that can still shoot the ball a little bit and that can play from the outside in. And then for Giannis, I mean, this, I understand not signing it. I, wouldn't, I don't necessarily want him to sign a Supermax with the Bucks. I think he's better off doing kind of a KD Warrior style, just one-and-ones until right. he either has a team around him that he likes or he decides that I'm done with this place. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we explained the math in that pod. If, if he does anything else, he's losing money. Exactly. But I think one of the things about Giannis is that every single season since pretty much his third year in the league, we've come into the year and been like, okay, this guy was dominant or he was the reigning MVP. What's he going to do? And I feel like every single year, he's always taken a significant step up of like, okay, he's that much better than he was last year. I mean, and until this year. Much, that much more impactful. I think even this year, he did take a significant enough step to the point where like his team was winning a lot and he had a lot more of those. The numbers don't look as similar, as different as they might between other seasons. But I feel like he had a lot of bigger games in the sense where he did a lot more for his team. Where like he had big numbers games and he had games that he chilled. So I think if you go into this season, I wouldn't expect anything except improvement from Giannis. I know he's going to be a better passer than he was. His assists trend up every year. He's going to be a better shooter than he was. His assists trend up every year. His shooting percentage is trend up every year. So the Bucks are in a difficult spot with Drew Holiday. But I love Drew. I think Augustine and Portis are good bench pieces, and they'll have a team to compete in the playoffs. It'll just be about who wants to come off the bench and earn those minutes with Giannis, Drew, Middleton, and Lopez as that last spot in their playoff five. All right, Eli, I'm going to throw it to you for the last last little point on this before I give my point and then I close it down. Do you have anything more you want to throw in? You don't have to. Yeah, quickly. I'll go, I'll go quickly. But yeah. to touch up on Chaz's first point, like mm-hmm. they needed to make a move. There's no doubt about it. There wasn't free agents. They made good depth acquisitions. I'm not mad about that. The fact that they gave up so much for Drew Holiday is what I'm frustrated about. You could yeah. have went and gotten – You could have gotten Chris Paul and Zach You could have gotten Chris Paul. I mean – you could have never given up Malcolm Brockton. No, yeah, but not right. But that's again. But yeah, you could have got Chris going. Paul, who I think would have been a better move for them right now, especially since they're just in win now mode. You know, I don't necessarily agree with the Drew Holiday, especially since he has a player option next year. He could dip also. He could leave also. You know, don't know. Quickly, one thing I'm going to say that hasn't been brought up is that the only players that are on contract for next year are Middleton, uh, Brook Lopez, Connaughton, Divincenzo, Portis. And Wara and Merrill. That's, and I like Middleton, but that's a, a garbage team, you know, especially yeah. since you don't know where Drew Holiday is going to go. You don't know what's going on with Giannis. So to me, you also got to look to the future. So, and I, I just think that making that acquisition is terrible. That's all I got to say on that. All right. I'm going to close it up. Here's, here's what I just got to say, because I haven't heard enough people talk about this. And I love being the guy that says, I've heard people talk about this. And then I talk about it, you know, because, <laughs> and then one, I know one day it's going to come around and I'm going to say that about things that people are totally talking about. And I'm going to look like an idiot. So maybe today's that day. it <laughs> might be, let's see what I got to say. So Pat Connaughton was originally signed to an eight year, $2 million contract. Mm-hmm. Except with a player option in the second year, except that contract doesn't exist in the CBA for a player. I think it's because they have his bird rights. You can't sign him to a one plus one with the player, the plus one being a player option. So they had to sign into a new contract. The agent was embarrassed. Everyone was embarrassed. And they became him an extra $8 million. It became a 16 over three instead of a 12 over three, which would be the same annual average value or just letting him go or anything. And I think for me, after the Bogdanovich incident, if I'm Giannis, and Giannis had been recruiting Bogdanovich for months, he wanted him so badly, and the Bucks office messed it up by not doing it legally. Mm-hmm. That would have stopped me from signing the Supermax right there, the first one. I would have been like, hold up, I'm going to wait to see the rest of the offseason. 
the Pat Connaughton thing is when I look at it and I say, oh my God, is my front office incompetent? How do they sign a guy to a contract that doesn't exist? How do you not have, how do you not just buy Bobby Marks and have him do all your, all your caps? I love Bobby Marks. I love Bobby Marks. I love him. I love that guy. Um, how did you just get a Bobby Marks and have him just look at every contract and be like, these are the contracts you can sign. This is what you can do. How do you not have that in your front office? So if I'm honest, I'm not signing that Supermax because of the Connaughton and the Bogdanovich things. But, yeah. you know, that'll, that'll be the determinant in my – and I think everyone's opinion mm-hmm. for the Bucks offseason. But, yeah, yeah, I think this was – you know, I think this is what we're going to call a little good night. It's been a good podcast. I want it to be really quick for a good little uh, – it should be out Thursday morning for Thursday morning drive to work, hopefully, for everybody. Yo, Will, Eli – Thank you both for coming on. We hope to get you guys involved more. Maybe we come back next week and do this again. I think this went really well. I'm really happy with this. Um, you know, sign out and say goodnight to everybody. Yeah, anything y'all guys want to say? Um, I mean, closing points. First off, thanks, guys, for having me. Of course. Of Don course. And, Chaz. Of course. and the, I think the biggest thing about this offseason is the main contenders really see that what's going to happen next offseason, i.e. the Raptors, the Bucks. You know, you can't really get a judge of what their offseason is until next season. Oh. That's a good point. That's a very good point that I wish we had talked a little bit more about. Anyway, Eli, thanks, guys. Of course, like, Will. Of course. Eli, honest. anything from you? You know, we're Canadian. we got to thank you guys again. We really appreciate <laughs> you guys having us on. Um, one thing I will say, though, to all the viewers is put the house on Luca winning MVP this year. Yep. 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 <laughs> Maybe we'll just do a gambling podcast one day. Yeah. Yep. Yep. On the Instagram post from the page and from my own personal page. Mm-hmm. Uh, yo, blessings for coming on. Chaz, always a blessing to have you too. Yeah, shout out the Ball Talk official IG page. You know, go Everyone follow go follow that. Go follow that. Ball Talk official. Looking for sponsors. Yeah. All right. Good night, everyone. Hold and, down. Uh, that's Ball Talk, baby.